Welcome to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke. This is episode 79. We're getting up there. 79. How you guys doing? Doing okay on this rainy day. Rainy day. What is this wet stuff falling from the sky? I don't think most of Texas knows. I don't think the ground <laughs> understands what to do with it. It's just thirsty, man. man. I can't believe it's August and it's in the 70s. I don't understand. Did you see the flooding that's happening in Dallas right now? Like no just way. Devastating flooding that's happening right now. People parked their cars at work yesterday doing the things that they were doing and just walked out to their vehicles floating off. And wow. Did we get that much rain or the was, drainage it, problems? They got, like eight, they got like eight inches of rain dumped on them in a matter of a couple of hours. Man. And so it's just like, it's ruined it. Ruined well, some things. I, like I drive by the, uh, the, the MSU pond slash lake slash yeah, whatever that is. Yeah. And, and it's been like the bottom. Like it's been yeah, dirt. like no water. It's in been it, yeah. to- you know dirt. Yeah. It looks like the Red River. You not know when lake, you drive, when like you drive by the Red yeah. River and cross the border. And, yeah, it's like that's and not it's a like, river. That's not rivery. Yeah, uh, you know that's a lot of dirt. Mm-hmm. It's very red at the moment, but there's not a lot of water involved. Right, and and it's like the the pond has felt that way too. And to drive by it just yesterday on on Sunday um, when it had rained some, and it yeah. rained a little bit in the morning, you know, and but it was already like full. And I've had a couple of conversations over the last couple of weeks that, uh, you know, how, how low the lakes were, uh, you know, they're like, you know, eight, nine, 10, 15 feet below. Like, mm-hmm. and you think about how massive some of these lakes are like to lose that much water right. in, in this heat is, is incredible. And then to like, now I want to know, like, what do they look like now? What are those right, lakes? Right, right, right. Well, how how like, far did they go up over this? It's, uh, you know, it's going to be, a rainy event when they're talking about drought ending rain in the matter of like two or three days, which know? is crazy. That's it's, what I've yeah. heard from the, the famous drought from what, 10, 12 years ago, long before my time is it was so extremely awful. And then somehow um, like the lakes that were so low or even dried up mm-hmm. were refilled like really quickly. In a matter of I, two I don't days. even understand how that how that works. It's a yeah. lot of water. Yeah. Well, I guess if you if your if your ground is so not ready for it, just just the water is dry. It's just going to keep running. That's off. why, like you know, even like in the farming world and all that stuff, it's better to have like just a slow, mm-hmm. soft rain Ooh. that sits over your and saturates the ground rather than it just opening up and dumping because there's just so sense. much runoff that the ground can't get, uh, you know, the nourishment from and. So that's what happened. We had, it was a couple. It was just like a couple years back, um, and uh, it's twenty fifteen. Was it twenty fifteen? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it just it dumped. It opened up and dumped, and we got so much rain in like a day. Mm-hmm. And then the following day, continued to do the same thing. And our lakes that were we were talking about like, you know, unlivable conditions like. Like fourteen percent lake capacity, like toxic water can't use it to for society. Mm. They quit opening up meters for new homes and all that kind of stuff. Um, to oh, we can't contain all the water that has happened now. Like our lakes are overflowing and it's like at hundred hundred and ten percent capacity and 
um, letting water out of the lakes because we can't. That's yeah. crazy. It's going to flood these uh, areas. And, and if I remember correctly, that was the day that we moved in. This is exact. This is the the day you <laughs> moved in here <laughs> to Wichita Falls. Yeah. Yeah. So everything it was wet. Started. <laughs> it was. Oh my gosh! It was. There madness. was. The, we were walking. Th- we were hauling his stuff out yeah. of the U-Haul through a through sheet a waterfall. of water. Yeah, into his garage. Yeah. Wow. Granted, it was a poor design of of garage yes. for, for that kind of thing. But, yeah. but man, I mean, it was it was that bad, and so it was crazy to get here at the same time and be like, you know, yeah. like everybody still had signs in the yard that was pray for rain and yep. you know all this stuff, and and there's like you know hearing people they're like, oh yeah, man, we've been in this crazy drought for five years. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like it just dumped on us. Yes. You know, I I was we, we tracked water all through the new house that we just bought, and it was yep, it was, it was like yeah, it was like we couldn't water yards and right any of that stuff. You couldn't wash your car; car washes were shut down. All it was so bizarre. Yeah, that's kind of what's happening. You know, not quite as drastic as then, but sure. Um, we have been in trouble for a little while with our yeah. drought, and I heard there was like rain. a there was like a date in September that was like if it doesn't get better by this date, yep. then we move into the next phase of. Yep, drought conservation and yeah, we're, they're talking about doing watering limitations again and doing uh, you can't wash your cars and car washes are going to have to regulate times that they were open. Wow, and yeah, wow, we it's, don't have to do that now. <laughs> it's it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm sure a lot of everything. folks, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of folks listening are from all over the place, uh, including longtime Wichita Falls folks. But you know, we lived in Houston for 17 years, and. Um, one of my wife's favorite words that I haven't heard her say in a long time is a gully washer. A gully washer. Gully washer. Gully washer. And I don't think <laughs> I knew what a gully washer really was until I lived in Houston. Yeah. Because it's it's probably like your garage uh-huh. on moving day. Like yeah. it's just, I mean, there's multiple days a year that it's just, I think a dump truck is yeah. just, just on constant, you <laughs> <Right>. know. <laughs> yeah. And um, I do not miss that at all. I mean, you just, you get soaking wet going from your car to yeah. the store or the office or whatever. Um, and everything's just sticky. You can cut through the air with a knife. Yep. Uh, but yesterday we had lunch uh, with, uh, there were 13 of us, um, uh, kind of in lieu of a normal, more about colonial experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. We decided yeah. with a smaller group just to go out to lunch. And we had a couple that had just moved here this summer uh, from Philadelphia we had a couple that was originally from Washington State. Wow. Um, we definitely had some longtime Wichita Falls folk. We had a couple from Burt Burnett. It was just this cross-section of people, and it just brings to mind, like, every every place is different, and the weather is so uniquely right. different, and what we're used to, what we think is, like, one of them said, um, man, I thought this place was hot. Then I moved to Wichita Falls. <laughs> and, and in my head, I'm like, this is not as hot as where I lived at this place, you know, right, like right, it's right, all relative. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. But I don't know what to do with this rain. This is not the Wichita Falls I know from the last four years. No, and I'm telling you, man, this rain happened and it turned my wife into the, the, the fall crazed oh, no. woman. We've decorated our house pumpkins. in fall. Yeah, pumpkins yeah that's what I hear. Where I'm like, <laughs> it's August, Shelby. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't like, you know, hate it because it's very fitting for the weather we don't have. Don't you guys do Christmas in October as well? Oh yeah, if I had my way, we would just skip. <laughs> we would skip October festivities altogether. We wouldn't do the Halloween thing. No, Mm-mm. I don't like wait, it. But wait, wait, not that you would. You do. You go. Don't you go straight to Christmas in October? No, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty I, sure I'm not exaggerating. No, if I had my way, October one, our Christmas tree would be up. But but you wait till but November. But Shelby 1? makes me wait until November first. 
I just firmly believe <laughs> I firmly believe this that Halloween, Thanksgiving, those two holidays all happen in the Christmas season. <laughs> Period. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, not quite. Oh, yeah. Her other cons- other yeah. than the same, you know, Christmas music going around the clock. I think I like that idea. I heard I heard one time that uh, uh, that every time a Christmas tree goes up before Thanksgiving, an elf dies. <laughs> And so, so the Hodges are pretty much responsible for elf genocide. Just That's make right, sure, yeah. just make sure you put bells on there. It's like so every that the year, angels can get their wings every while the elves year, are dying. Man. I'm like, dang man, we have a little morning time for the elf that oh. didn't make it this season because we put our tree up too soon. So the fall officially doesn't begin till we what? still have September like, 21 yeah, September or something. Right? Some, yes, yeah, like late September. I don't yeah. know why I have the 21st in my head, but it's definitely it's still summertime. It's right. Yeah, I don't it's know. Summer yeah, still, but it's 73 degrees. She was ready, man. For today. For today, today. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Give it, give it a day or two, and we'll be in the nineties to hundred again. That's yeah. true. Yeah, water tends to cool things down. All right, I don't know if you guys, if our listeners really want this, or if there's just, you know, I'm there's filling a, some space here. There's a skip ahead button, Brooke. There's, a, there is a skip ahead. They can, they can zoom forward. Um, I don't know what the time stamp will be, uh, so you're just gonna have to guess. But, um, you guys want some news of the what? I do want some news. I always of the want what. at least a little news of the what. News of the what. All right. Are you guys fans of The Office? Yeah. Oh my goodness. You yes. watch The Office? Love right. The Office. Well, one of the one of the best characters in The Office was Kevin Malone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I believe he's an accountant, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Well, supposedly. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 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 there's there's this episode where Kevin is, I think it's one of the cold opens of the show where, oh, oh. where Kevin is coming in and he's talking about how one of his favorite things is to make his Kevin's famous chili, <laughs> and uh, and he's bringing it in. He has this just massive pot of chili that I he's bringing in, it and in he, my head. and he's stumbling around, and he spills the entire pot of chili all over the floor. Nobody's there, and so it's all over the floor, and he's just in panic mode. But the whole time he's like voicing over, and he's talking about how he's like how he makes it, and he's up all the night before, and it's been passed down from Malone's <laughs> for generations, and. And uh, it's probably one of the best things that he does. And then it's just, it's everywhere. And so he like grabs a clipboard. On the, on the and it's, carpet. It's on the carpet, right? And he grabs a clipboard and he's trying to like scoop it oh back into the, into the deal. Well, uh, Brian Bumgarner, uh, the guy that plays Kevin. Yeah. Who sounds nothing like Kevin when he talks in real life. Have you heard him talk? He, well, yeah, right. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised because he plays, plays this guy he plays that, it great. that in one particular episode is mistaken for someone, you know, like mentally handicapped, mentally disabled. Right. Um, because he's, he just speaks very slowly and he's got his own just take on his character. Then you hear him in real life and you're like, whoa, sounds like Brooke. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah. you know, sounds like Tanner. Yeah. So, so uh, Brian Bumgarner is releasing a seriously good chili cookbook that's releasing September 13th. So <laughs> you can get if you love The Office and you love chili as we're getting into the fall for Tanner and Shelby, uh, you can go get yourself a new seriously good chili cookbook that uh, Kevin, interesting. Kevin Malone is, is putting out. I love that it. That is interesting. Yeah. I don't know that I'm going to buy it. Unless you, I would want that maybe on my coffee table. Okay, can I take it up a notch? Take it up, please. All right. Did you know this past week was uh, the final voting period for the USA Mullet Championship for kids and, te- and teens? Did you know that? I'm sorry. 
what? The USA Mullet Championship. Do you go online and look who at pictures? Who seeks America's vote? best mullets? Business in the front and a party in the back. They had an online poll last week that ended last week. It was open Monday to Friday for the kids' best mullet. And there were 700 entries, not, not votes, 700 entries. These are people that, that felt like they could win this. And then for the teens as well, who only had 80 entries. So there wasn't nearly as many teens that were a buying surprise there. So that tells me that tells me parents are really pushing yeah, this here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the winners they would earn the title of America's best mullet and get twenty five hundred dollars. Emmett are Bailey, we? Emmett Bailey, he won. Emmett, Emmett Bailey, Good old Emmett. He, he won Congrats, the kids. Emmett. He won the kids. I knew mullet he could contest. do it. I knew he could do it. If you saw his picture, you also would know he did it. <laughs> yes. Uh, they also have registration currently open for anybody that wants to join in to the, get this, the main event, the M-A-N-E event. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, uh, For the men's open competition, it's open until the end of August, and it only requires a $10 registration fee. So you can go to mulletchamp.com. Where you can also see all of the uh, all of the winners in oh, previous my years, goodness. and uh, and you could you could uh, register yourself to we... potentially do this. They also they also before you even get into uh, that, okay, Tanner's over here just shaking his head. I, they I'm, have tr- a, I'm deeply troubled. They have another competition. No, they don't. Yes, they do. It's called the Femullet. The what? The Femullet. The Femullet. That's a female. It's mullet. a female mullet. Yeah, yeah. Yikes! Wow. Yeah. yeah. So not only can your kids. Be a part of this. You can be a part of this, and your wife could be a part of this. And it Are, is traveling around the United States, giving out twenty five hundred dollars to Tanner's. Tanner's win. very. Very confused. And I just. Frustrated. I'm like, are we? Are we this desperate for entertainment that we're going to have a competition like this? Yep. And I. Mm. The only pushback I'll give you, though, Tanner. I mean, I, like, like related is this mustache craze. You know that we're going through, yeah. And at some level, I respect it. You know, it's so bad. It's so, it's, it's so yeah, bad. Okay, yeah. That I, it's I'll, good. Yes, I that's, will that's, isn't that, yeah. that the idea behind the mullet? It's so bad that it's good. You know, it's I used so, to, I used to think that. No, I don't. Think I the used to think so that that was, was what good. it was, and then the '80s started coming back around again. I remember being at a football game, and I saw a dude on the big screen that had a full on stylish like i did this on purpose mullet and i was like wow and then they zoomed out and he was one of the cheerleaders and there were others and i was like whoa this is no longer i think this is just this is no longer a i think i think an ironic well i got i got to even talk about one of our own here at colonial (laughs) oh no and and this is proof that this was not planned i apologize ahead of time for whoever's getting thrown under the bus little shout out to coach john aiken at Old High, one of the football coaches over there. John and Abby are in our group here at the church. You can't miss John on a Sunday morning. He's 6'7 or 6'8. Um, and he has got a an incredible head of hair. Like super curly, like no perm, no perm. It is just super full. And he told us last spring, he's like, I'm growing out my mullet. And and yet here we are at the beginning of football season, and he's it's like so big, he can't put his hat on. Um, it's it's like starting to hang in front. The curls are coming down in front of his eyes. But I'm just telling you, you, you I'm just telling you. You look at it, you're like that is so bad. It's good. It's so 
crazy over the top that it's like that's the coolest head of hair at Colonial Church. <laughs> so News I don't know what, what to tell you. It's not News all of the what right there. News there of the what go. we gotta find. John, right. you be you, brother. Dude, go get that get bullet it. going and go go get mullet. you twenty five hundred bucks. Let's get let's get a John Aiken update at I church say, on yeah, Sunday. I, you know. <laughs> But you also apparently like a lot of them in their pictures. They have like the the eighties style full on like rainbow sunglasses. Oh yes, like all the yeah, way. Yeah, oh yeah, those like are you cool. You have to now. have those too. So. Those are cool. Well, yeah. now. It's that not. It's it. not. Yeah, right. If you don't have those, then people are like, eh, you just have a mullet. Yes. Like, then it's like you have a mullet. Okay. Question. Question for you on this though. All <laughs> oh, right. No. Do you think Stranger Things <laughs> brought about the comeback of the eighties, or the, chicken of the egg, or are they? Reflection, on, ref, of, a reflection, and on the curtails of, they're probably at some level a reflection. But I think it's such it's been such a phenomenon the last four or five years that it has driven a lot of driven it. it yeah. I think the music, the soundtrack. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's what's what's the running up running up the hill or whatever the main song that's it wasn't even a popular song. The Kate, the Kate Bush song. Yes, it wasn't even a popular oh, yes, song yes, in the eighties. Yes, yes. It wasn't even a hit, and that show. Makes it sound like that was the most popular song in the 1980s. Do you know? You know? Do you right. know that Kate Bush made like a million dollars off of that song streaming in the first like 24 hours after the after the, the fourth the season of Stranger Things whatever, came yeah. out? Wow. Yeah. I'm wow. That's amazing. <sighs> yeah. Man. But I think I I my answer my like I know my guess <laughs> my guess is that it's driven a lot of that. I think yeah. Stranger Things has been an absolute phenomenon. So I will, I will I will grant you that. I will agree with you on some of that, but I also think that that's smart marketing. Yeah. On the on the like from the from the studio and the writers of Stranger yeah. Things. No doubt. Because because these things they, are the cyclical. Duff, the Duff brothers, is that right? right? Yeah. They're cyclical. Like, okay, so you talked yeah. about the mustaches. Well, if you go back and you look at the you uh-huh. look at the the um what was it um what were the mustaches and the wooden hats and uh, I forgot what the, what everything was, what everything, the hipsters. Oh. You know, that was just, a, it was just previous generations that yeah. were just redoing. Every, and right, I right, just kind of, right. you know, I grew up through the 80s. And so when you get to like, wait, we're really going to go back to that one again? Mm-hmm. Are we doing that? I think yeah. it's just. Our, I think par- it's, our like, parents I, have said the same thing. I know. Like, oh yeah, we used to wear those tight jeans. Oh yeah, we used to wear those bell bottom no, jeans. No, we used to wear the Those ties right. used to be really thin. Oh, those ties used to be really fat. Yeah. Like it's all coming yeah. back around. Yeah. So I I would argue that it's it's smart. It was a smart move on the on the creators Brilliant. of 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 Stranger Things to know we're releasing this and it's coming into the '80s and we're also going to make a ton. I mean, think about all the stuff that they could sell just from the nostalgia side of things. Oh, yeah. like, that was one of the things I remember watching the beginning of Stranger Things when it was like, look at the lunchboxes and the, the lunch- trapper keepers and oh, the games yes. that they played and yeah. all that stuff the, that the, was just like the this movie is posters on the wall and mm-hmm, yep mm-hmm. yep. I don't know. Well, now that Tanner is um, fully offended by, by this, uh, sufficiently this, disturbed, this yeah, new yeah. craze. Um, how about we dive into this unoffended book? On the other hand, unoffendable, unoffendable. So we we um, we started talking about chapter. We we went through chapter one last week. Right. Basically, probably should have just read through chapter one for everybody. Um, and hopefully, some people bought the book and are, are going along with it. I know we've gotten some feedback that was like, "Hey, I'm reading along with you guys." We should do story time with Brooke next next so, go around. Is yeah. that what we should do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we talked about um, we talked about reading through chapters two through seven, and right. uh, 
in in doing that and that that of course was without like really diving into a ton of the book to be able to say much we just kind of grabbed some chapters um we kind of end at a little bit better note after it kind of kind of has more of a, a conclusion area after six so today let's talk through two through six i like it um whether we go through chapter by chapter or right uh, or whatnot i mean we we talked about some of the chapter titles last week and um, you know, the chapter two is everybody's an idiot, but me. Mm-hmm. And then we also talked about chapter five, uh, Bert and Ernie and Satan. Um, you know, so, so there's, there's some fun titles that he brings into this, but, um, uh, let's, let's dive into this a little bit here. Chapter two or beyond, I guess, whatever, what, what sticks out to you guys here that, uh, hopefully, um, our people are, are reading and picking up on as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, Again, what it, this is such an easy read. Like this book is, yeah. read it there there are there are some really good, uh, I want to say, convicting statements that he makes in here, or at least, you know, if if not on a conviction level, at least things that he says that make you pause and go, wow, I don't know what I think about that. Hmm. Um, but it's been really good and um, kind of to kick it off in that everyone's an idiot but me. Uh, page 10, um, he says, yes, there is right and wrong. And what Jesus has done for us is the antidote to both fuzzy minded relative relativism and self-righteous religiosity. I thought that was a big statement uh, to make. According to the radical teaching of Jesus, you stand as guilty morally as any other sinner, period. And so the whole, the whole idea of being, being um being higher than uh this like self righteous i think a lot of the theme is this self righteous um uh you kind of kind of aspect that he's talking about when he says everyone's an idiot but me mm-hmm. it's like oh well i clearly have it correct right and yeah that there is right and wrong um, but jesus jesus kind of corrects a lot of those things and i can't really put myself in this self-righteous category, you know, because I'm just as wrong as they are, yeah. you know? Mm. What I loved, I loved his, um, his, uh, story time after that, where he yeah. talked about him driving and how, you know, somebody did something to him and he was like, man, that guy's an idiot. And then, <laughs> and then later on, you know, that guy did. And he's like, Oh, that guy's, <laughs> that an, guy's idiot an idiot that, that did what he did the first time. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. I, I think about it. I was like, I can't literally, relate to that at all. I know. No, I was, yeah. uh, literally as I'm driving around town the last couple of days, I was thinking, Oh gosh, don't get mad about that. Cause I do that too. <laughs> yeah. But that's like I, uh, at the top of 11, he says that guy, quote unquote, that guy is always wrong because he's always that guy. And I'm always this guy. Yes. You know, in other words, everybody's an idiot, but I'm awesome. Go me. Yeah. Well, and it, 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 uh, it goes back to even what you said, uh, yesterday, Lauren, in your message, let's start off today talking about those people. Those people. If, if any of you are familiar with those people, go ahead and raise your hand. Yep. Lots of people agree. Those people, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they're the most annoying people in the world, whatever. And I'm like, Right on, right in, right in line, right in point with, with uh, everyone's an idiot but me, um, and it it, it kind of begs the question: um, Is it possible for us to see things as they are, or do we just see things as we are? Case in point, his his uh, his kind of illustration of driving. He's sitting at this particular spot. Maybe not where he should be. This guy's cut, cutting him off, whatever. His perspective is this guy's doing something wrong. 
Um, then he flips the script and does the same thing the guy that was doing something wrong did. And he goes, now that guy is... So his per, his perception changes. His perspective on what is currently happening changes. And so I think it ties into, do we actually see things as they are or we just see them as we are? Mm. Um, that's the, that's kind of, I'm kind of studying psychology right now. That's one of the things I'm in school right now. And, and I'm like, is it possible? I don't think, I actually don't think it's possible to see things as they are. I think, I think our culture, our upbringing, our beliefs, the things that we hold true to shape how we see a particular mm-hmm. instant or incident or topic or issue, whatever. Um, and that's what fuels us to say, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> you know, and what's then, wrong with those people? And then we also, I think we also add to that because we have the tendency to be the self-righteous, um, mm-hmm. uh, the self-righteous anger. I'm mad at that person because, you know, it's, it's always that other person, right? And on, uh, on 12, um, on, on page 12, it says, uh, when this question is asked of me, um, it's, it's about something more specific. And he's talking about like being, being angry at sin, but by sin, we mean other people's sin, mm. right? Oh, it's not, yeah. it's not yeah. the things that I'm mad about at my, myself. Like I'm not angry at the ways that I fail. I'm angry at the ways <laughs> right. that you fail. It's like, it's like, I don't have righteous <laughs> you know? anger about right. the things that I do wrong. I have righteous yeah. anger about the that is, that, a, that will not stand, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, further down the page, he says uh, he's reading. Um, he's reading part of scripture, um, and he's talking about the writer recognized that yes, anger may visit us, but when it finds a residence in us, like it's in the lap. It's, it says in the lap of fools. What? Um, and he and I kind of underline. Let that sink in. Uh, when anger lives, that's where it lives in the lap of a fool. Um, and then that little paragraph that follows thinking we're entitled to keep anger in our laps, whether toward the sin of a political figure, a news network, your dumb neighbor, your lying spouse, your deceased father, whomever is perfectly natural and perfectly foolish. And I'm like, wow, that I, I, I guess, you know, reading scripture, I've missed the part uh, of um, the idea that anger being uh, taken up residence in us can be a sign of foolishness. You know, it's a sign of, um, when it, like what he says, um, but when it finds a residence, it's in the lap of fools. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. It's a good challenging word for sure. I want to come back to something you said related to this Tanner. You got my wheels spinning on the way we see the world. I, I think that's even at least one of the main two or three points of this book is we're not seeing things like they are. Um, in fact, I'll just make it about me. You know, I, I have, I have corrective lenses on, Mm. I I can't, I don't see people for exactly who they are, at least in part, because I'm missing a ton of the information. I don't know their stories. I don't know what they're thinking or feeling. I just, I just watch action, you know, and I just usually watch it from a distance. Um, but ultimately I'm also shaped by my own experiences and my own perspective and my own pain. And so part of the redemptive work, I think, of, of Christ is him literally changing the lenses we have. 
you know, mm, mm. and, and I, I wish it was instantaneous, right? <laughs> I wish it was boom, 2020, <laughs> but to your point, you know, this side of heaven, I don't know that we ever get 2020. Mm. Um, so I like that analogy because part of what I hear the author calling us to is, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's just embrace some truths. We are judging everybody else by their actions. We're judging ourselves by our intentions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, one of our, one of my friends this weekend said that, and I just stuck with me and I think that's not from the book, but that just, that fits. Um, and, and we're angry about everybody else's sin. And, and let me just be honest. I, I am rarely, I mean like a handful of times in my whole life, angry about my own sin. Mm. I'm regretful. I feel guilty. Right. I feel shame. Maybe might be might be angry at the consequences. I'm angry. I'm, um, oh no, a lot. I'm angry at the consequences. <laughs> yes. And I'm angry. I'm even angry at myself. You know, yeah, for right. making those stupid choices. Right. But I'm not angry at that sin. But I'm angry at everybody else's sin. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. And so I love how, if I can jump into even book in this, I'm not trying to jump ahead. But if we're looking at two to six, you know, a thought in two and a thought in six, chapters two and six. You know, back on page 10, I love how he just says, man, I stand just as guilty as anybody else. People have lied to me, but I've lied too. People have been unfaithful to me, but I've been unfaithful too. People have hurt me and I've hurt them. I get angry toward murderers. And then here comes Jesus telling me if I've ever hated someone, and I have, I am the murderer's moral equal. No one likes to hear this. This is, this is just sticks with me. We want to think people are worse than us. Isn't that the condition of our hearts? We, yeah. we want so badly to think people are worse than us. And I think if I can maybe shift just a few notches toward 2020, <laughs> a vision, yeah. not, not that awful year, but, <laughs> but toward, toward yeah. vision of seeing things as they are, oh, we're all on equal footing. Mm. Oh, that, that person who was a jerk in that moment is no bigger a jerk than me, you know, right. at heart. And then to go to the end, I, I love how he wraps up, I guess what we'll call this week's section in chapter six. By just talking about, man, if we can see somewhat clearly, we can actually be filled with gratitude, gratitude for the beauty that we see around us. And, and specifically, he says that um, we're, uh, we will be much less offendable. Why? Because the thing about gratitude and anger is they cannot coexist. Mm. And that's something I'm kind of walking away from this book and this this, this series, and, and I know I'm ahead of everybody from a teaching standpoint preparation, but I, I am wrestling with, man, the more I can lean into gratitude, first of all, the only place that's going to come from is seeing things for really more for what they are. Right. And the more I'm filled with gratitude, it's literally impossible for me to be offended. You can't be grateful and upset. You can't be, mm. you can't be grateful for God's grace in your life and remain pharisaical, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, they can coexist at some messy level and they can ebb and flow, but on my most grateful days, on my mo- in my most grateful moments of God's goodness, of the blessings in my life, and certainly specifically of his forgiveness and grace, somebody does something on my left or my right that would, would ordinarily bother me. And I, I, I find myself loving them. I find myself wanting to extend grace. Hmm. Um, anyway, I think those are kind of the bookends that have been represented as I've been reading this. I don't mean to jump ahead. I think it's also interesting that, that even in those moments of gratitude, 
how much we have maybe have trained ourselves or socialized into this or maybe just are this way that it's so easy to be snapped out of that uh, moment yes. of gratitude or that, that time of yes. gratitude because something happened yes. and we forget, right, I also do that. I'm also guilty of that thing. And so it snaps us out of it yeah. back into our offense or our anger or whatever and jump back into it. Can, can I interrupt you there? Uh, Tanner's heard me say this several times as we talk about coming together on the weekends as a church. Um, you know, when we think about uh, rabbit trail alert, when we think about going uh, to church on Sundays, I think any of us at our worst, so to speak, can go, oh, we're just going through the motions. Why we keep doing this? What difference does an hour make in a 168 hour week? And yet, because of what you just said is exactly why I love going to church on a Sunday. I value the, the community coming together is because I keep forgetting. <laughs> I'm filled with gratitude and I, I see somewhat clearly um, and, and I live differently. And then to your point, Brooke, all in a moment because of my sin, because of the sin around me in the world, I, I can just lose it and I can forget and I can get all upset about something. I can get all wounded about something. And I think that's at least one of the main reasons we are called to, as, as the writer of the Hebrew says, don't stop coming together. Don't don't do this by yourself. Don't stop coming together because you are a forgetful people. Right. And you could argue that's the theme of the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. You you just keep forgetting. I'm over here. Yeah. Let me show you. I love you. Let me show you how good I am. Oh, now you remember. Right, right, right. Okay, now things are good. Oh, well, wait, wait. You know, you forgot again, you know. Well, and you talk about um you talk about like the really the impact of what gratitude, like the decision to have gratitude in our lives, what it can do. He talks about, um, I guess it's called, uh, I guess it's chapter six called Beautiful Expect, yeah, Beautiful Expect uh, Exceptions. He talks about a little bit in here about the power of expectation. I think there's lots of ways in our life we need to remove expectations of people because that often mm -hmm. leads us into uh, offenses that we, that even we, we cause. Um, you know, if I have a, unrealistic expectation of my wife. Well, I'm only, I'm only dooming our marriage, you know, like, um, so I think there, there are instances where we need to remove expectations, but he talks about utilizing expectation, allowing, allowing, um, the gift of God, the grace of, of, of God by sending Jesus to change our expectation of what we, of what we see or what we can, can experience. If we expect that we all exist in a fallen world. We all exist kind of in, I guess, uh, the result as a result of a fallen world. Well, we can expect to be offended in our life. We can expect that, um, you know, this person's going to say this thing that's going to really upset me or, or whatever, whatever the case may be. On page 40, he's sharing some true stories and things. And I kind of want to read the story and then kind of talk about this because it gives a little context for what he means here. Okay. He says, uh, there's a true story. He says a few days ago, there was a funeral for a friend of mine. Jerry was a doctor who served the poor in Afghanistan and in Chicago. After arriving for work at cure internationals hospital in Kabul, he was shot and killed by a rogue Afghan police officer. He said, I cried when I heard about Jerry's death. It still hurts. I loved him, but I cried again in awe when his wife, Jan forgiving his, um, when his wife Jan, forgiving his killer just a day after it happened, 
we don't know the backstory, she said. And Jerry was there because he knew Jesus loves the people of Afghanistan. He said, that's amazing. And then he goes on and he says, yes, the world is broken, but don't be offended by it. Instead, thank God that he's intervened in it. And he's going to restore it to everything it was meant to be. His kingdom is breaking through bit by bit. Recognize it and wonder at it. War is not exceptional. Peace is. War is, uh, worry is not exceptional. Trust is. Decay is not exceptional. Restoration is. Anger is not exceptional. Gratitude is. Selfishness is not exceptional. Sacrifice is. Defensiveness is not exceptional. Love is. And judgmentalism is not exceptional, but grace is. And I'm like, if we change, if we change, that kind of speaks to, again, what we expect. If we expect that there are going to be great offenses in the world, but we, we choose to know and trust that the kingdom of God is breaking through bit by bit, it allows us to live in an exceptional way, mm. offering grace instead of judgment, you know, offering sacrifice instead of selfishness, um, love instead of defensiveness. Um, this, I'm like, this is, this is central we are forgetful people, which is why it's so important for us to come together to remember and to, to remind ourselves that to live otherworldly is to choose these exceptional ways. Even if it's not in our nature, we can expect great offenses, but we can choose in the moment again to be unoffendable like this book is talking about. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was that was huge for me. I mean, all, all I wrote in here was wow. Cause I didn't really have many <laughs> words to describe it. You know, just, just wow. I love it. I've read that a few times and even hearing you read it out loud right now, I'm hair sticking up on my arm, you know, just like, I'm just right. I'm moved by the exceptionalism of the life of Jesus. Right. And nothing is more inspiring to me than that. Yeah. Um, and that's, you could say that's central to, this concept of, mm-hmm. of being living unoffendable lives is to be offended is not exceptional. That's normal to be unoffended is radically different. Right. You know, not just countercultural, right. But, but like confounding, like, Whoa, how are you, how are you not upset about that? Yes. How yeah. are you not really angry at that person? How are you, how are you not bitter? I'd be bitter if I was you, you know? Right. And yet that's, that's the beauty of Jesus is, yeah, well, <laughs> God is amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it speaks to even, I think you said it in like uh, uh, one of the uh, messages in this series was Jesus was not surprised by, you know, his, the reaction or like this, he's not, he's not standing over the corner going, whoa, 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 guys, I cannot believe you're doing this, you know? <laughs> He responded with, yeah, I expect that to happen. And here's what we're going to do about it. Here's yep. how we love through. Here's how we, here's how we redirect. Here's Ooh. how we do those things. Um, to be not surprised by the guy that cuts you off or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and it's, it's like, like chapters three, four and five are kind of the lead up, the to lead that up to point, that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so he's talking about it in, uh, in chapter five, he says, uh, Jesus isn't shocked by self-centeredness. Neither is he scandalized by others, moral behavior ever. He knows who we are, and he knows how the human heart works. And the next page, he says, Jesus is not a cynic. He's never scornful, hopeless, or jaded. It's purely about growing up enough to recognize just how messed up our world really is and how messed up humans are. Jesus encountered one moral mess after another, 
and he was never taken aback by anyone's mortality. I'm Mort- sorry, morality, um, ever. And it's just it's it's that it's just that reminder of, you know, Jesus Jesus consistently saw the worst in in he and it had point had it pointed out to him. Hey, here's a woman that we caught having adultery, you know, having yep. sex with somebody she wasn't married to. Yeah, what are you gonna do about it? And it's not he wasn't surprised. You know, he's not right. surprised by them dragging her out in front of everybody and exposing themselves in the process. You know. It's just, it's just like, uh, yeah, he didn't freak out when something does. And that's, that's where it gets back to our, um, our judgmental side and our jump on the other person, even though we do the same things, our jump on you because you did it. And I'm upset about your sin and not my sin where it's different for Jesus. Cause he's like, I see all that and I'm not surprised by it. And I still love you. There was another, there was another spot in here. Um, I, I forget. He says, uh, 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 where'd it go? I lost it. I lost it. I moved away because I forgot. And uh, <laughs> he said, he says, God doesn't, God sees things we don't. He must because he hasn't vaporized us all yet. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we must, he must look at, at a seriously messed up world and still see what can be done with it. And he sees what can, what it can and will be. You know, it's yeah. like we, we can see beyond yeah. that, like, I'm frustrated with the things that you did to me, even though I also do that to other people. Right. I don't like that you did it to me because it's about me. Yes. Yeah. Can I, um, I don't want to take us too far off of this topic, but I do kind of want to talk about kind of the end of the message yesterday. Uh, had a really cool kind of interesting conversation after, and particularly about your prayer, uh, the, the kind of the prayer time that you kind of led everybody into. Yeah. Um, and like what the internal reactions uh, of someone I got to chat with on our team about that, he kind of asked, he said, um, he said, I, I wonder what everybody else internally is processing in the moment, in that, in that moment, that prayer time that you kind of were leading us in. He said, for me, it was fear. And I said, well, expand on that a little bit. Mm. And he said, um, he said it, it was maybe the reality that I can't possibly avoid all these pitfalls with, with anger or with a sin problem or any of these things. And it just makes me afraid. And we had the conversation about what if, what if that fear wasn't really, wasn't really there to cripple you, but that fear really was, maybe God's perspective for you and how dependent we are on him. Um, I think about, you know, I kind of shared with him the story of like my son Easton kind of in our, in our bedroom getting ready to go to bed or whatever. And him saying he's thirsty and me just kind of saying, well, go to the kitchen, get a cup and go get some water. He's like, but I want you to come with me, dad. Um, what if that fear is there to remind us of our dependency of God? Because yeah, we can't like, we're going to, be offended. We're going to mess up. We're going to sin against God. Um, we're going to do all these different things. But uh, what? What? What if that fear is there to say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, um, man, I'm going to mess this up." Or there's all these things out there to get me. Um, God, I need you. Come, come with me. Come with me, Dad. Come with me. You know. Um, but it was interesting for me to hear him say, I wonder what everybody else is internally wrestling with in that moment, because it just, for me, welled up fear 
in 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 me in like the in the impossibility of it all mm. you know what would you what would you say to that i got to process i got to process with him and some of those different things and it led to some really good conversation but i wonder how many people were processing some of that in in that prayer in the context of that um what would you what would you kind of offer well i think Sorry, this is in the moment yep. uh, reaction, but I, I do think when we when we look internally, when when we're open to hearing from the Lord, especially a hard word, a challenging word, uh, I think that conviction and condemnation they look a lot like each other, you know. Right. They um, and to your point, it may feel con- condemning may feel just awful and it may be the Holy Spirit just going you need you, this is something that needs to be dealt with and I'm not I'm not making you feel this way or or causing you to have this heaviness for any other reason than I love you and I want better for you um, but it also you know could be our own woundedness of I'm never good enough mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. you know my dad has always told me I'm never good enough and I'll never make it and I've always strived to overachieve you know and and because of some failures in my life I'm never going to be there and then you hear a message like this <laughs> right and and I could see someone that that's not from the lord that's from our own flesh it's from the enemy himself saying yeah you can't pull this off you're just going to continue to be angry you're just you, like never yell. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Never yeah. say never. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's see if you can last till lunch, you know? Right. And I think that can be oppressive. That can feel overwhelming. So that is what complicates all this is we're all listening to the Lord as we pray. I mean, there's, you know, a few hundred of us pray in this prayer, search me, know me, test me, reveal to me anything that offends you. That's a scary thing to do. That That's why I even, uh, led with this is a dangerous prayer right this is a humbling prayer yeah because it's op- opening our and, and granted i invite everybody to read it out loud with me but knowing that okay we're all our own people you can just watch you can just go i'm not i don't want to say that right now right <laughs> you know or i said it i read it but i'm not just to be clear god i'm not praying that yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think you had good counsel i think i think even even in the moment, if it's it's condemnation, if we can, for lack of a better way of putting it, if we can spin it and go, maybe the, maybe this is how how can I see this as conviction from the Lord? Right, something I need to deal with. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, I will encourage you too. Uh, there was a, a guy there yesterday. I didn't even know he was there. I didn't see him. Uh, I won't name names. Uh, you know him. Used to be a part of Colonial. Even used to serve in a couple key ways here, and he's just kind of drifted away, not been present for a long time. And uh, he messaged me um, and said, hey, I just want you to know today's message hit me pretty hard. I've been battling being, quote, that person for what feels like a long time. Mm. Thanks for thanks for the message. Wow. And uh, didn't unpack it anymore. I don't know what else he hears the Lord saying or what he's going to do with it. But um, I have, whew, I am very convinced that just based on the feedback I've gotten the last couple of weeks, um, that this is something that people are really wrestling with. Right. You know, shocker. This is where we all are. You know, yeah. we're in a culture of offense. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and <clears throat> losing, 
losing me- deep, meaningful relationships over over what yes. ordinarily might have been just a minor offense or a, a small disagreement or I, any of that. It's it's so I know when alarming. I when I said out loud, some of us are experiencing division in our friendships. Some of us have family members, and we've just we're not talking to them anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm thinking of me, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking of stories I'm hearing, right? It's it's pervasive, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's it's amazing to me how I, I'm, and y'all, some of y'all, I I probably should have said this already. I'm seeing heads nodding as I'm talking, right? You know, which doesn't always happen. Sure. Usually, there's people sleeping and there's glazed glazed overlooks. <laughs> well, that's me. That's, that's a different. That's team. just yeah. Tanner. That's a different yeah. nodding. It's <laughs> a different type. But of I'm nodding. seeing a lot of head nods and. Um, a lot of hand raises when I've asked these questions. Sure, you know? sure, sure. There's engagement because I think a lot of us are recognizing, man, that's where that's where we are. I I was um, I was listening to a podcast, uh, in fairness, yesterday and today. Um, Why is that unfair? Uh, <laughs> wait, be. wait, you're you're listening to a, a different podcast? He told yes. yesterday it was only going to be today. That's right. And then he and broke then it. I, and then so I broke it. it broke the promise. <laughs> no, I just couldn't read. I couldn't listen to it all in one sitting. So I picked it back up again today. Uh, rewound it a couple times because there were some spots in there that was just really, really, I thought, maybe hitting home for me. Uh, this it's uh, it's a pastor in South Africa. Uh, and he was just sharing about the importance of joy today and the lack of joy with pastors and all this, all that stuff. And the last part of his conversation was if I could speak to the 30 year old me. And so my ears kind of perked up, you know, I'm like, I'm 30 and I've been pastoring for a little while. And he said, uh, I would tell my 30 year old self, um, you need to have more joy. You're taking, you're, you're taking this too serious. Uh, I would tell my 30-year-old self that the greatest defense we have for offense, he even said this, offense, anger, uh, and what I would classify, he said a couple of different things, but what, what weightiness, what he meant, really meant was like pressure, weight that you carry, is um, the greatest defense you have against those things is joy. And not, he's like, I don't want to under, I don't want to underestimate or discount the pressures you may feel in a local setting, a local context, you know, circumstances of your life, any of those things, because they're real. But joy is a discipline. And he said, I would ask the 13 to 15 year old me, what, what were the things that brought you joy in that time? What are the things you did that was really just, you you were experiencing joy? What of that has gone away and should come back? What, to, t- to some degree, if you're pastoring, if you're leading in any way, if you're processing, if you're just trying to live your life as a follower of Jesus, there was a call into this that was a source of joy. What of what of uh, what of your life rhythms has caused that source of joy mm. to not exist anymore mm. and uh i just thought like that was 
the language not maybe not directly tied to the conversation we're having, but I do think there's a lot of us walking around that are just so serious because we're dealing with very serious things. Why so serious? Yes, exactly. Um, and Dallas Willard, uh, this isn't a direct quote, uh, but Dallas Willard made a statement that God is the most joyful and youthful being which is like, uh, really? What are you saying there? But really, I think what he's what he's what he's getting at is he's concerned with the joy of his people. Uh, we we talked about it this last week in this first chapter about, um, what was it the, what was it the um, ridiculous idea of being unoffendable, the the effects of people who are not as um, Oh, I, I gotta find it now. Christians who uh, aren't as what's it, not smug. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, grumpy. Grumpy. Yes. Like, are you thinking of the endorsement from Alan yeah. Hirsch? A yes. Far less grumpier. A far less. Witness. Yes, right. Far less grumpy witness. <laughs> yeah. I think a measure of that is what are we doing to cultivate a sense of joy in our lives? And I don't mean joy as in like, let's just be careless, you know, but reflecting on what is really like, like what truly brings you joy? Because I do think that affects our, our ability to choose to be unoffendable. If we are, carrying immense pressure and weight and all these different things, almost walking around as if we're the, we're the Messiah, you know, we're the Savior. Uh, it makes it really easy to be offended. But if we are cultivating the spiritual discipline of joy in our lives, joy in community with people, um, it makes it a little easier to make the decision to have the expectation that something's going to be said or something's going to be done that's going to really anger me but I can choose to be unoffended. You, you, um, this is not rocket science, but you've, you've made me think of two practical things that I want to do um, that I've done before, but it's been a long time. I was on a retreat once when uh, a spiritual director led us through this similar conversation, uh, probably even quoted Willard, by the way, because that rings yeah. a bell. And he said he had us get out. Maybe, maybe our listeners can consider doing this. Get out pen and paper and to write down back to your childhood, what, what brought you joy? What brought you joy as a young adult? What, what brings you joy in this season? Uh, what are some things that you can recapture or that you can lean into that bring you joy, little things on a daily basis? Uh, what is something you can very intentionally do that will bring you joy uniquely maybe once a week? Uh, what are some things you can plan the bigger things that require that special extra effort, money, time, whatever it is, um, not just vacation, but something very specific. Okay. You know, next summer I want to do this cause it's going to bring me joy. Right. And just the intentionality of that. Um, cause you just don't drift into those things. No. Yeah. You know? So he even talked about, you know, I just, a sunrise brings me joy and I just don't take the time. It's a little thing. Mm-hmm. I don't take the time to be outside at that point. I don't take the time to get enough sleep 
to get up in time for those kind of things. And mm-hmm. he just he just got really deliberate because I think there's something that counters so much of what we're talking about and being offend, easily offended people, you know, yeah. is to have that joy filled life. And the other thing right alongside that linked to <clears> gratitude. <throat> and I've heard I've heard multiple non-Christians over the years talk about how they do this. They do a, they do a gratitude journal or make a, make a grateful list. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had a counselor ask me to do that in my twenties. Man, I want you to, I want you to write 25 things that you're thankful for. And they could be anything. Well, kind of like we do on Sunday yeah. mornings with raising a hand and list five things you're thankful for. And they can be Dr. Pepper. They can be your spouse. They can be <laughs> Jesus. They can yeah. be, you know, Dallas Cowboys, whatever you want. And list all 25 of them. But then do it again, and then do it again, and then like don't just do that one time back in you know 2019. Yeah. Do do it when you journal. Do it when you're just gonna take a breath, and it changes when we get step into that place of waking up and seeing things more clearly and being filled with joy and gratitude. It counters everything we're talking about. Mm. Then somebody cuts us off in traffic. We might not even notice. Yeah. Like, whoa, that was close. Yep. You know, like Done. It's, it's a different place we're right. living in, uh-huh. you know? Um, someone we care about is short with us and we react differently. Yeah. We're, we're present and we love them in the middle of it yeah. instead of what we do in our flesh, which is react, you know, right. with anger and frustration and right. lash out. So yeah. I think you're onto something. Um, I think that's a tangible thing that I would invite anybody. I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit resolved to, to try to be more intentional. My brother I've shared, you know, he's, he's dealing with loss this last year of his wife. Um, and he is journaling. He's just journaling like crazy. Just, he's writing books and, uh, some, some of that same stuff he shared. Yeah. He said, part of my healing has been God reminding me over and over again, how blessed I am and wow. writing down the things he's grateful for. <laughs> and, and then going back, he just said, it's been a year now, so he went back and he read all of his journals, and he's just overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed with the goodness of God. This is a guy who lost his best friend, oh, wow. mother of his kids. He said, I am overwhelmed with the goodness of God. That's a different place to live. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, I, I, I'm excited about, uh, you know, we've read, you know, six chapters. Um, I'm excited about finishing this book, jumping in, and, and, uh, and then just the rest of this series and soaking in this. I think it's very timely for our church. Um, and a topic, you know, you know, it's, you know, it's landing if it's not just about, you know, the things that you're wrestling with, but, um, it's things that people are, people are wrestling with when you've got head nods in the room and those types of things. And it's not a celebration of, Oh, we've got it right. It's a celebration of, it's just recognizing God has his people, uh, together. He's, he's knit a community together and we're all wrestling with these things and we're seeking answers together. So I've been encouraged, convicted, challenged, uh, and even offended at times in these last two weeks, um, having this conversation, reading this book. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks mm. continuing this. Good stuff. Okay. Well, let's, uh, Let's wrap this guy up here. We'll we'll plan on uh, reading uh, reading chapters seven through let's say thirteen ish. Mm, sounds like and, a plan. And uh, maybe we'll feel like oh we should stop right here. 
in the middle of this somewhere. I don't know. We'll get there and we'll see. Um, so that's the plan. The next six chapters, five, six chapters, and we'll go from there. I will add, I'll interrupt you and add, um, there was someone who didn't want to read the book and their spouse had already read it and was insisting that she read it. And she said, no, I'm not going to read it. And <laughs> then they were on a road trip and he put it on audio and, um, to cut to the chase, she's loving the book. Mm. So I, one, anybody who's resisting it, it's an, you said it earlier, it's an easy read. It's not, it's not a deep thought read. It's a, it's a, he's very entertaining and engaging, but also, uh, I know you've already said this, we're being a little redundant, but just hearing him, the author himself mm -hmm. read it brings it to a new level. I'm told. Yeah. But even, even that, uh, five and a half hours, it's five and a half hours, uh, on like an audio book. And that's a problem. That's, that's it. X. That's just, that's just like normal, normal speed. That's five podcast episodes. Yeah. That's not that. That's not that much. Yeah, and, and I mean, you're right. I, I agree. I think when when the author is reading the book and you're listening to it that way, you catch all of the inflection and stuff like that that the author meant to be in there, yeah. rather than sure. you know, oh, I I think that was a joke. I'm not yeah. really sure. You know, <laughs> I can't I can't really tell, but maybe. And so you know, it just it, it makes it that much more enjoyable, which makes it that much more of an easy read right. to get through really quickly because. We just don't put it down, you know, yeah. you just keep going. So um, we will encourage you to read the next six chapters and then put it down. Or I guess you can finish, but uh, at least yeah. pay attention to the next six so we can kind of stretch this out a little bit and uh, and go from there. But, okay, we are going to uh, pause our conversation for today. We will get back into the book again next week. Um, Lauren, we are... Uh, expecting to continue our No Offense series. So how can we expect to be offended this coming Sunday? I think it's I, I think it's way more fun to just see what happens. You know, I mean if we're gonna if we're gonna really delve into this this continue to dive into this uh, troubling, uncomfortable area of life, um, I am way less excited about giving you a preview. Like just but I want to be offended about the things I expect to be offended about. I want you to be offended that I won't tell you. <laughs> That's maybe, what I want. Maybe I am. <laughs> maybe I am. All right, this has been the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church. You can always get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com, or you can download our app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. We'd love to hear more from you. So uh, send us your questions, send us your comments, your thoughts. What are you thinking about? Um, podcast at colonialchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We will pick up our conversation again next week.